So how many of you have had like such, oh, there's my pen. You're so nice. Thank you so much. Um, a really, really busy summer. Like, I'm just still catching my breath. We had the pastor's conference, and, um, well, it was so funny because before the pastor's conference, um, we'd just gotten back from Israel, and we left a week later for England for a four-day trip up to another pastor's conference. So we did that. This is what happens when you're married to Brian Broderson. He's so calm. Like, of course we can do it. And you're like, because, you know, men don't have to pack makeup. And, you know, and, and they don't think about shampoo because they'll use whatever's in the shower, like even just water. You know, it works for them, you know, but there's all that. So we get, so why I'm in, um, why I'm there in England at this conference, and, and this is it. Like, I'm there, like, I'm thinking I'm just Brian's wife, and they're like, oh, we're so excited to hear you speak Thursday. And I'm like, I'm speaking Thursday? Wow, this is great. What's today? Tuesday? Great. Okay. No problem. But, you know, one of the things, so why I'm there, I get this text from a friend of mine. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry that we don't get to stay with you after all at your house. And I was like, you were staying at my house for the pastor's conference? And so I'm like, Brian, you didn't tell me that you invited Wayne and Kathy to stay at our house. And why I'm standing there, my friend Raphael goes, no, because he invited me to stay. I said, you're staying at my house? And I said, I knew my son was and his friend Clay. And then Mike Nicholas says, and I'm staying at your house. And Dave Shirley says, and I'm staying at your house. And Dave Sylvester said, and I'm staying at your house. I said, you guys are kidding, right? This is like, ha, ha, ha. And they're like, no. Brian invited all of us. We had to get like these blow-up beds. We have a pole out in our living room. I've got two bedrooms. And then we've got this couch in the family room, right? But it's, it's Barnabas' couch. It's my, it's my dog's couch. So we had to push the... It's an L-shape. We had to push the coffee table up because Keith unexpectedly needed a place to stay. So he came over. So we got him on the couch, and I made it up, and I pushed the coffee table over so the dog wouldn't do it because I've been told that if you try to lay down on my couch and my dog catches you, he will get up there and try and push you off. Now, I have not seen this personally, but I've heard. I've heard stories. So this one day, I didn't know Keith was coming back. So I had, you know, moved the coffee table and tried to make the house look like it usually does. And I come in the morning, and there's Keith lying this way, and here's the dog lying this way. (laughs) And Keith gets up to go use the restroom, and my dog goes right where Keith was and lays on his back. If you don't know, Barnabas is this huge black golden doodle, and he's just made our life supreme. So then the pastor's conference is going on, and I have to go up to LAX to pick up my two grandsons who are flying by themselves for the first time from New York to visit Grandma 10 and 16. And of course, as LAX is famous for, you must circle three times before you can pick up your party, because they closed down most of the parking lots the ones that I needed, right, for my terminal that I needed. So it took three times to remember to turn in at the right place and not too soon at ticketing where it takes you right outside the airport. So anyway, that, and then my daughter arrived on Sunday, so I still have a full house. Brian's dad is coming this Sunday. Uh, He wants to see his granddaughters. He's coming down from Northern California. And Brian's mom, they're not married. She's coming over too. It ought to be really an interesting Sunday after church. (laughs) 
they get along really well, but it, you know, it's, it's going to be another full house. And I, there's a scripture that the Lord just keeps pouring into me. Where there is no ox, the stall is clean. Better to have an ox than a clean stall. So I'm looking at my house. The ox is in my house. And this is good. This is really good. Who needs a clean kitchen, right? Who needs that? You know, who, you know what house really looks at its best if there aren't towels scattered in different places on the floor, right? And, uh, you know, I, I've got to tell you, Barnabas is loving this because the kids leave their sandwiches on the table. And the other day he comes <laughs> racing out of the house and he's got this turkey sandwich in his mouth and he's like, it's mine. I stole it off the table and I get it. And he's just watching like, is there any food going to drop? <laughs> he's ready and waiting. So that's, that's been a little bit about my summer. And, you know, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for my morning devotions, I would go crazy. I really would. Because this is the time where the Lord speaks to me and calms my spirit. When I was a young mother, I told my children, do you want a nice mother or a mean one? And I did it just like that because I'm a little dramatic at times. And they said, a nice one, a nice one. And I said, then you have to let mommy read her Bible. What You just have to let me have Bible time because Jesus makes me nice. And without Jesus, mommy's not nice. And I remember one day, I don't know what was going on, but I remember Char looking at me going, Mom, have you been with Jesus? You need your time. It makes such a difference if we spend the morning with Jesus. The Mark devotional, I wrote it as a challenge to some girlfriends I have in England that I am trying, trying, trying to get them into the word because they're living their life kind of like Philip. I I was reading this morning in John chapter 14, and Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. That's when we'll be content. We just, we just need to get in touch with God. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been such a long time with you, this last three years, and yet you've never really known me. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I know a lot of Christians that have been walking with Jesus a long time but don't know him. They don't know that he's God, that he's sovereign, that he loves them so much that he has forgiven literally every sin. And they're walking under that condemnation because they don't know. You see, there's four levels of knowing, and this has nothing to do with the Bible study. This is all free, but we will get there. (laughs) Let me tell you the four levels of knowing. There's the first level, know of. That's the People magazine know. Like, I know who Angelina Jolie is. I know who she is. I would recognize her, I think, on the street. You know, unless she looks different without the help. But, I, you know, I know. I know. I one time was driving in Vista, and I looked over at the car next to me. It was a beautiful Porsche, and it was Elizabeth Taylor. And I was staring at her like, could this be? I mean, we're so close. She's there, and I'm here in my Toyota, and she's there in her Porsche. Could this be? And she looked at me, and she smiled, and she shook her head yes, (laughs) and waved like this, and then went like 150 miles out of there. And I was like, I just saw Elizabeth Taylor. 
So I could say I know Elizabeth Taylor. Because we were like, we were like this close. And we were both doing the same thing, driving. But, and she acknowledged me. Like, I am a person who lives, and I've got a Toyota. But we didn't really know each other, right? And then there's the next knowing, where it's an acquaintance. Where you could say, well, um, we've talked. We know each other, but I couldn't tell you what their favorite food is, or um, I probably won't remember their eye color, and I probably don't remember their last name. And I might not even, you know, and I don't know their middle name. I, I might not even know this. I might know the city they live in and what kind of dog they have because we're acquainted. So that's the second level. Then there's the third level where you know somebody. Now, I have met couples that have gotten married and they know each other, right? They know. They know their favorite food. They know all these facts about each other. But there's not a sense of, of truly knowing each other Um. I remember this woman was like, oh, my husband keeps coming home and he makes dinner and he must be so upset with me, you know, because I'm not making dinner and I'm not. I said, no, your husband loves to cook. This is how he debriefs. This is how he relaxes. That's how I relax is by cooking. So don't feel, don't feel intimidated. This is how I relax. I cook, you know, and the more stressed I am, the more I cook and make others eat it. Like, here, eat, eat, eat. But she didn't even know. She hadn't watched, and she didn't know the habits of her husband. And I think we can sometimes know somebody but not know them well. We're not picking up all these things. But have you noticed there are those couples, and I have to say I'm one of those couples, that Brian and I know what each other's looks mean. I, I, he'll get this look, and I'll go, oh, no. He doesn't know where he is. He had MSG. And he's got this look. Or he's got this look like, okay, he's looking for one of our kids. He knows he's in the audience. So you'll find, I know these looks that Brian has. And, and sometimes I know we're thinking the same thought at the same time. And it's cracking us up inside. But he's in the front, so he can't show it. I, I remember this one time. We had, um, we had this... This drunk come into the church in England, and he's sitting there, and, and Brian's talking about the resurrection from the dead, and he says, Jesus is still in the grave. And Brian just stops. And I know Brian is just like, what have we got here? And I'm on the front row, and I start laughing hysterically. I can't stop laughing because there's a drunk in the Bible study. And how are you going to handle this one? This is going to be so fun, and I don't know what. But I could not stop laughing. And I was like trying to cover it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, we got to get rid of the drunk and the lady on the front row. <laughs> but that's the knowing. And that's what happens that God wants to bring us past the first, second, third, into the fourth level in our Bible reading of the communion, where our thoughts became, become the same thoughts as God's thoughts, where our will becomes the will of the Father. When we understand his goodness and we look at Jesus and we see God, we see the sovereign God, we see the God of peace, we see the God of joy. So I wrote this devotional for my friends in England because they don't know. They're at level one or two. And they haven't gone to level three or four. And I said, if I give you digestible portions of God's word, will you read it? 
and they promised me they would, so I put it on gracious words, and they didn't. So I'm going to take some of these devotions, and I think I'm going to force feed them when I'm there. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I am going to go to Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to have you stand up. I've been accused of a lot of things lately, and one of the things is not teaching the Bible. I don't know how they came up with that one, but it's an interesting one. So I'm going to have you stand up just to prove that I really am in the scriptures. And I'm going to start, oh, that's such a pretty sound, those chairs. I'm going to start with Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. Here it goes, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of God, both of the Father and of the Messiah, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, as we come before you, I pray that you would unpack to us the glory of the treasures and the riches that you desire to fill our heart with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So how many of you, here's quiz time, how many of you have a collection? Ooh, okay, this is so fun. Okay, how many have a collection of teapots? I love you. Okay, how many have a collection of teacups? I love you too. How many have figurines that you collect figurines like Hummels? Ladros? Yadros. Yadros. I know how to speak. Yo hablo espanol. Una poquito. Um, uh, how many of you have a collection of Hummels? Okay, my father in law does. Uh, precious moments. My mother-in-law does. I think it's an age thing. So I said to somebody, they said, what do you collect? And I said, I don't collect anything. Like kind of with a little bit of, I don't collect anything. I need to be free. (laughs) And I had a friend of mine say, that's not true. You collect books. And I'm like, busted. I have so many books. And as many books as I have, Brian has 10 times more. Somebody's looking at our bookshelves. We've got over 10,000 books in our house. Somebody's looking at our book. It's horrid. Anyway, Brian's looking. I keep saying, let's clear out. Let's clear out. Let's clear out. He won't clear out. I clear out, and he fills it up. It's not good. But, you know, that's our collection. But I've often thought, I mean, we're women, right? So we think these things. If there's a fire, what do I go for first? I mean, you do. You have your little fire pile. Right? You've got that one place that if you just put everything there, that's the place you go, and that's the place where everything precious to you. But isn't that funny how our collection, as much as we love it, is not the thing we go after, would it be? It would be the pictures. It would be the baby blankets. It would be Barnabas, definitely (laughs) Barnabas. Of course, I think he would have run down the street before any of us. Barnabas is kind of a every man for himself. You know, there was a squirrel... Look what you've done to me. There was a squirrel in the backyard. And he goes running after the squirrel. And the squirrel's running against the wall. And he's running back and forth. All of a sudden, the squirrel leaps out at him. And Barnabas just books it right back into the house. Like, did you see that animal that's out there? You really ought to deal with it. 
But what is in your treasury? Now, this word, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, this word is used often in the New Testament. And it's the Greek word, and this is going to really blow your mind. It's the Greek word thesaurus, which we think of a collection of words and, you know, the meaning of words. But it's the Greek word thesaurus. It's spelled a little differently. It's spelled with an A instead of an E. But that's the pronunciation, thesaurus. But it means a collection or a vault, a vault that holds precious treasure. It's a vault. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll go to a hotel and I look at that safe and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to put in this? Because I've got a safe now because I don't have a safe at home. You know, I've, I've got like the bathroom counter under the sink. You know, I don't have a safe. And I'm at a hotel, like, what goes in this safe? Okay, well, my passport, right, because that's my identity. So my passport. Or I was thinking my jewelry, any precious jewelry I don't want stolen, because that's my history. Or my iPad and computer, because that's my future. (laughs) That's my life. That's, you know, that's all my thoughts. That's all my friends. Those are the things that are precious to me right now when I travel that go into the vault. But I was thinking, what do I treasure? What do I treasure? Now, I had a friend and she walked in my closet the other day. And all of a sudden, you know, when somebody walks in your closet, your closet feels really good. I have a little walk-in closet until somebody walks in there with you. And then you're like, oh, sorry about those shoes. They are pretty old. And all of a sudden, you've got, like, new eyes. Like, my daughters go into my closet. They're here right now at my house. They go into my closet, and they clean it out for me. And they're like, mother, mother, you had this when I was born. And that's the 36-year-old talking. But, you know, that's the time when I begin to see things that don't look right. As long as I'm just going into it, I'm kind of conditioned. But sometimes somebody walks into it and it's like, oh, my goodness. Why am I saving those? Because there was such a deal at TJ Maxx 20 years ago. And any day now, they're going to come back in style. And even though they are a size too small, I can get my foot in there if the occasion calls for it. But have you ever watched that program, Hoarders? Isn't that so disturbing? It's just so disturbing. And what's really disturbing is the way they cry and have these fits when things begin to be taken away from them. And you're looking and torn and outdated prom dresses. You know, let's get rid of these. No, no. And, you know, not that, not that. Or crack dishes. Crack dishes, it's got a crack. But they don't want to part with it. Headless dolls. Armless dolls, legless dolls, stumps, stump dolls, <laughs> paper napkins with logos, like used paper napkins with logos, scarfs with Elvis Presley sweat, <laughs> puzzles with missing pieces. And these people are hoarding. They're treasuring it. They don't want to do life without these things. In fact, they think they won't have life without these things. And they're being buried alive in the rubble because they have become so skewed in their thinking that trash looks like treasure. 
You see, again, your heart is a treasury, but it can only hold so much. It's a storehouse. It's a receptacle. Matthew 13, 52 says this, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of God. So um, another translation is every student who is learning the Bible or learning the word of God is like a householder who brings out of his treasure, there's that word, the source again, things new and old. You see, God wants our heart filled with treasures, old treasures and new treasures. One of the most wonderful things um, growing up in a Christian household is all my treasures. I remember at three years old, I memorized my first scripture. Well, my dad says I memorized one before that, be kind one to another, tender, hard, and forgiving, even as God in Christ has forgiven us. And he said every time he pulled out the belt to spank me, I, he would always say, what does the Bible say? And I'd say, be kind one to another. And he'd put his belt back on. I think he did it on purpose. He was a terrible disciplinarian. My mom was amazing disciplinarian. Whatever was close worked. But... Um, <laughs> My father just, he was slow to discipline. He just hated it. So you could always get him with a good scripture. <laughs> but when I was three, I remember a plaque from Psalm 41, verse 13, being put in my room. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help you. That has been a treasure that I have pulled out over and over again. I pulled it out in kindergarten twice. When I first went to kindergarten, and then when we moved and I went to another kindergarten, I pulled it out in first grade because we had a grumpy teacher who was pregnant. I pulled it out in second grade, Mrs. Miss Tuttle. She was, she was not a nice person. She wasn't a Christian either, obviously. I pulled it out over and over again that the Lord would hold my right hand and he would comfort me. It's an old treasure, but it's one of my favorite treasures that I own. And another treasure is, is the be kind one to another. It's I have these old treasuries, and I can go to certain scriptures, and I have old treasures there. I can remember the date, and I have dates in my Bible. I can, I re, can remember the message. One of my favorite times I heard a message years ago, probably 22 years ago, by Wayne Taylor on Haggai. And it was one of the best messages I have ever heard, and I stole it. Uh, my dad, I have played the fool. The story of Saul, one of my treasures. Keep yourself in the love of God from Jude, one of my treasures. Some of my dad's illustrations, my dad was Chuck Smith, some of the illustrations that he would go into. Like we all remember the coin, right? And we all remember the rose parade. You know, every time you're talking about the foreknowledge of God, he would go into, now in Pasadena, California, there is a rose parade. And one time he was doing it in Austria, and when they were, interpreting, when they were translating, everything was blooming. Blooming parade, blooming floats. And he was having so much fun with the blooming. But some of those old treasures, old treasures, and some of them are just experiences of, of my childhood, when I remember the Lord coming through in such a spectacular way. You know, I remember the time I got hit by a car, 
and I was on my bicycle, and I was staring in the windshield at the guy who hit me. He was probably about 16, and he was shaking violently. And I was like, excuse me, I'm just going to roll off your car, get my bike, and go home. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did, because I was not hurt at all after being hit by a car on my bicycle. And I was on the wrong side of the road, not him. I can remember so many times where God was with me, and I've got all this treasury that I can share with my grandchildren and I can pass down. Because that's one of the things about treasures, isn't it? It's no good to collect it unless you've got somebody you're going to pass it on to. You know, I mean, it's one thing to look at it. It's one thing to wear it and embrace it now. But you're really collecting as much as you can to pass it on. It's all about, I'm at this age now, 57 where it's all about passing it on. I've got these rings uh, that I've gotten from uh, my family, and it's all about giving it to my daughters and my daughter-in-laws. It's all about watching their enjoyment and giving them the identity of the family, saying, you belong to me, and I belong to Chuck, and this is part of your heritage. And it's, it's wonderful to pass it on, And I am passing on my most precious jewelry now so I can have the pleasure of watching them enjoy it and wear it now. And that way I don't have to worry about burglaries. (laughs) But there's also new treasure. There are new treasures. There are new treasures that are coming to me. As I open the word of God, all of a sudden I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. And I'm loving it. I've told you this before, but I go through different translations of the Bible. I'm still in the NLT this year. I'm in Warren Wearsby Transformed Bible. I love it. I read all the notes. I've started reading all the notes. And Kristen was telling me, Mom, the kids' student Bible, have you read those notes? And I'm like, no. She's like, next Bible. Get the kids' Bible. You're going to love it. The Adventure Bible. I'm like, right, the Adventure Bible for the grandma. I love it. I'm going to do it. But, you know, it's... It's so exciting to see it from a different vantage point because it's all there, the beauty, the facets. And I found that every year something different is what's needed in my life. I have a friend, she went through adrenal breakdown. And what got her through is finding her identity in Jesus. She said, Cheryl, somehow all these years, because she's almost as old as I am. She's 56. She was born to missionary um, parents. She said, all these years, somehow I didn't get that my identity's in Jesus. I didn't get that. I was finding my identity in my works or my family or, you know, my marriage or what I did for Jesus. And she said, and it's just in Jesus. Because with the adrenal breakdown, she could not do anything at all, but just be loved by Jesus. And she found her identity there. And in that identity in Jesus, she found this new authority that she never had before. But, you know, she kind of like, when you get something like that, you think this is a message for everybody, right? Do you have your identity in Jesus? Show me. What's your license? Pull it out. And and she kind of does that a lot to me. And I'm like, Nancy, I know my identity. I know. But where I'm at this year is the sovereignty of God. That's where I am personally. This is the phrase that is getting me through everything. I've got this covered, and I know where we're going. This is God to Cheryl. I've got this covered. I covered it with the blood of Jesus, and I know exactly where I'm taking you in life, and it's all good. That's my paraphrase of Jeremiah 29, 11. It's all good. 
It's all good, and he's got it covered. You know, it says in Psalm 139, he has beset me behind and before and laid his hand on me. And that's, that's what gets me through. That's what wakes me up in the morning. That's what says I can face this day. I need that every day. And that's what's getting me through, but that's a treasure. And that's a new treasure that's coming at me, the sovereignty of God, like it's never come at me before. It's like a whole new facet. Now, in my treasury, I do have my identity in Christ. I do have that authority that comes through Christ. I treasure that, and I'm not letting it go, and I guard these truths that I found in Jesus, but I want to add new. I would call it a cosmic show and tell. Don't you like that idea? Like a cosmic show and tell. I don't know, but when you get a really good deal, like maybe at the thrift store or TJ Maxx, don't you want to show it off? Like someone goes, oh, I like your skirt, $5. (laughs) And it's a designer. I've never heard of this design, but it's a designer. I was in TJ Maxx. I had a really interesting experience. I was wearing this pair of jeans that I got at Nordstrom's rack on the sale thing. Amber alert. So anyway, they had one last night too. So this lady goes, what kind of jeans are those? I love it. I said, I don't know. She pulls them out in the back and looks. And I'm standing there while she's pulling on my pants, and I'm thinking, is this normal? I still don't know. It felt a little odd. But, you know, in the treasury of your heart, are you hoarding things maybe that shouldn't be there? Are there broken things that you've held on to? Are there, like, you know, use napkins with logos of places you've been. You know, what are you treasuring in your heart? What, what's in that vault? Years ago, I was um, doing a retreat, and it was the afterglow time. And as I was uh, praying for the women, we were having this time of waiting on the Lord. I saw this black velvet bag. It was really clear, and it was in the back of this black, darkened room. And as I continued to look at it and God began to unfold it to me, I realized it was a closet. And this black velvet bag, and I said to the Lord, what does this mean? And he said, the bag is filled with ashes. I'm sorry, bag is filled with bitterness. And so I announced, I see a black velvet bag hidden in the back of a closet, and it's filled with bitterness. This girl screamed, like... Not, not like a nice scream, like, oh, like, ah! And so I said, yes. In the middle of an afterglow, this is a holy time. I said, yes. And she said, Cheryl, that's me in my closet. I have a black velvet bag with my mother's ashes. She was a beautiful Christian, and someone broke into her house and murdered her. And I can't do anything with the ashes because I'm so angry at God for that. And that's why I'm at this retreat, because I can't live with this anger, and I can't live with this bitterness anymore. And I was like, wow, I get visions. <laughs> she was living, she was treasuring that bag, even though it brought her so much pain. She was safeguarding it. She was treasuring it. She was holding on to it. And every time she looked at that bag, She thought, God, you failed me. You failed me. 
and she could not look past that back to see her mother in glory with Jesus. Beyond all sorrow, beyond all pain, beyond all tears, in the embrace and safety and glory of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But you know what? We won't get rid of the old and the broken until we receive the new. We just won't. We'll, we'll hold on to things until you get, you know, you'll hold on to the broken teapot until somebody gives you one that's the exact same but unbroken. And then you'll go, okay, I can get rid of my broken one now. But you need to bring in the new treasure in order to get rid of the old treasure. It's like your closet. Going back to your closet, I don't want to overdo your closet, but you know how it is? Until you get the new clothes, you don't get rid of the old clothes, right? Because isn't that funny? Can we, we can have a closet full of clothes and go, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> you have nothing new to wear is what you mean. But, you know, once you get that new thing, the guilt gets you, and you're like, I've got to get rid of, I've got to give to the poor because <laughs> I've got new things. And so you'll clear out, but you won't clear out until you bring the new thing in. And, and it's time to bring new things into the vault, into the treasury of your heart. And as you do, as you bring in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as you bring in the knowledge and the riches of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as you bring in that full assurance that you're saved, the riches of the full assurance of your salvation, as you bring in these riches, you'll be willing to push out and get rid of and bag up. You won't need one of those life coaches to come in and go, oh, yeah, let's get rid of these napkins. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes. The Holy Spirit's your life coach. He's going to help you get rid of the old. And you're going to bring in the new, and it's going to be so clean. What are some of these things? Well, I go back to Mary a lot, and I taught on this when we were doing the lineage of Jesus, because this is one of my favorite thoughts about marriage. Twice in Luke chapter 2, it tells us that Mary treasured these things in her heart. It's, it's also translated pondered. She thought about, or she treasured. She looked at him. She thought about him. She brought him out. She inspected them. What did, what did Mary treasure? What was in her heart? Well, we know that Luke interviewed Mary when he was writing the gospel of Luke. It's, it's in church history, and he tells us in the very um, first two verses that he searched out these things, and he made an investigative report so that um, the one he was writing to would know the surety Theophilus would know the surety of the things that he had believed. So what did Mary treasure? What was she able to bring out and tell Luke? Well, she brought out angels and the visitation of angels. She brought out God's word, her songs that she wrote from God's word. Luke 1, 47 through 58 is just, it's filled with references to the Psalms. She brought out divine experiences that she had she brought out her fellowship with Elizabeth. She brought out the testimonies of Zechariah and shepherds and wise men. She brought out Joseph's dreams and Joseph's leading. The confirmations of God's word from Anna and from Simeon. 
and Jesus himself, all that he did and all that he said. And I want to think about my own heart as being that vault. What am I storing in my heart? Because what I store in my heart will affect the way I speak and act directly. Listen to this from Luke 6, 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means if my vault is filled with the word of God, if I am treasuring those divine experiences like Mary did, if I'm, oh, I want to tuck that away. I, I, wanna, I like to journal because I forget the things that my kids did. Or I forget which kid did what. Brian and I look at each other. Now, who's the one that used to say dig all the time? I don't know. Let's think. So then we call our kids. Are you the one? Are you, you know? And I remember Char says, you should know this. Your parents, you should know these things. But, you know, now you put in five grandchildren, four kids in the mix, and we're like, one of you <laughs> did something really cute. <laughs> That's why I like my journals, because then I know who did it. Because I can go through and go, oh. In fact, I, I took a picture of one of my journals, and I sent it to the kids. And it was like what Char had done and then what Kristen had done. And, and you, you get back, thanks, with a question mark. I don't know what that means. <clears throat> I don't speak text. But, you know, we need to get rid of everything that defiles in our hearts. You know, we as women, we tend to treasure every mean word ever spoken to us. We remember every mean letter, every discouraging statement, every angry look. We remember um, the hardships. We remember all the bad, and we treasure it, and we hold on to it. And it's ripped, and it's torn, and it's ugly. And if we hold on to that, that ugliness will come out. And it will come out in the most unexpected times and most unexpected places. Something will trigger it. Everybody, like, you look beautiful. You look stupid. (laughs) And nobody else is laughing. And they're looking at you like, whoa, somebody didn't have their time with Jesus. We don't want that. I want my heart so filled with the good things, the treasury of the Lord, that he is giving. We have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Whatever riches, it's all there, the full assurance of the riches. We have all these riches. I want my my heart so filled with riches that when I speak, everybody gets diamonds, right? Everybody gets emeralds. I want, want, if if you bump into me, I want... Just the jewels of God's word. That's okay, honey. I love you because Jesus loves you. I want that. I want that to come out. I want to be the nicest old woman on my block. I pass out candy at Halloween with tracks because I want those kids to think of me as the candy lady, the sweet lady, the nice lady that even liked their monster costume, even though she didn't know where it came from. I want that reputation. I want 
I want sweetness and kindness because I want men to see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven and be drawn to Jesus. I want a heart so filled with Jesus, so filled with Jesus, that his treasures are my treasures and Jesus spills out of me. That's what I want. I have realized that when an angry word or an ugly word comes out of my mouth, it's my problem. It's not your problem. You didn't bring this out and you didn't create a beast in me. I've got a beast in me. I've got some ugliness in my heart that needs to be taken care of. I need to go there with my life coach, the Holy Spirit, and say, search my heart, oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The Bible tells us that we cannot know our own hearts. In Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But then God says, I search the hearts. He goes in and he wants to cleanse and get rid of the trash, not just to leave you with an empty heart, but that he might begin to fill it with his treasures, his treasures of love, his treasures of goodness, so that when others go, the United States is going to hell in a handbasket. You can say, you think so? I think Jesus is doing a great work right now. And he's exposing everything and showing people the emptiness of the wells they've been drinking from and making them thirsty, thirsty, thirsty for the living water. And I want to stand right here by the fountain with a great big hose and just spray people down (laughs) and tell them that there's more where that came from. I want a treasury. I want my heart so filled I don't want those defiling articles. But you know how I know that there's a defiling article? When a word comes out of my mouth that's not kind, that's not good, that's ugly. Then I go, okay, excuse me a second. I haven't had enough Jesus time. And I run back and I ask for new treasures so I can get rid of this yuck. I don't want that in my heart. And again, Romans 8.27 also tells us that the Spirit searches out our hearts. But he not only searches out our hearts, but he searches out the heart of God. And he takes those riches. Jesus said, he will take from me and give it to you. And he brings us those riches. I want to be that householder that brings out of my treasury the knowledge of God. Facts about creation, songs of praise. Facts about creation, I love little tidbits that just, there's a book um, about animals. It's such a great book. I wish you knew the name of it because you'd really like it too. (laughs) Songs of praise. I want my heart just filled with songs of praise. Scriptures, memorizing Poems. Oh, I love every poem Amy Carmichael wrote. Bible, and Ruth Graham, too. Bible stories. Testimonies. You know, being brought up in a Christian home with Christian parents um, in the hippie days, people would get up and they would give testimonies. And it was amazing to hear the testimonies and the transformations. So I like to tell other people's testimonies. One of my favorite testimonies to tell is Brian Broderson's. Someday, 
I will tell you and you will be amazed. His testimony is unbelievable. But if you think his testimony is incredible darkness to light, his father's testimony is even more. I mean, it's just crazy what God has done. I mean, seriously, I know I love him, but every Sunday you're watching and listening to a full miracle, a full filled up with the Holy Spirit miracle. And I ought to know because I've tested him and tried him (laughs) for 37 years. He's a good guy. Personal experience of God working in my life. But it's, it's that I want to keep filling. Not like a one-off, but keep filling and keep putting these in my heart. New additions every day. Living lessons. Recently, a friend stayed at my house when I was in Israel. And she, she sent me this text. Do you mind if I get rid of all your um, expired vitamins? And I'm like, sure. Could I go a step further? Could I clean your kitchen cupboards? Sure. So I got home, and it was amazing. It was like going to the Tupperware party where they show you those pictures of what it could look like <laughs> if you like, had a million dollars that you invested in Tupperware. It was, I couldn't find anything but it looks so good. It's like when people come over, I'm like, sure, open the cupboard. Go ahead. And they're like, whoa. And it's like, yes, my friend. I'll tell you, at first, it was very difficult because I didn't know where anything was. I'm like, where's that spice that used to be like spilled out so I could just kind of wipe a little bit into what I was making? (laughs) Uh, you know, where, where's that cereal? Oh, it must have been expired. I have had it for three years. And so many vitamins were missing. You know, it's like, wow, I don't have any lysine because I only bought it like six years ago. But now I am so thoroughly enjoying the clean and the organization. I know exactly where to go and where to find it. And it's so much easier to create and to clean. It's absolutely crazy. But the Holy Spirit, your life coach, wants to go through your heart and do an inventory. And he wants to discard the defiled, the ugly, the displeasing. He wants to clean up the treasures that you have, polish them up again. So you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I had this. This is absolutely beautiful. And make room for new treasures. I'm going to end with this story. But years ago, my aunt, she always wore her father's um, wedding ring. And she wore it on her thumb. Her father died when she was 16 years old. And so she had his wedding ring. And she always, because her mom remarried, which would be my mom's adopted mom, mom's adopted sister. And my aunt was um, quite heavy set, So the ring was pretty big. And I took that ring... Um, actually, my mom gave it away to somebody else. And that somebody else returned it because they didn't want it and they were leaving our family. So they returned it. And my mom kind of said, do you want this? And it was, it was kind of grungy looking and it was really big. And I said, yeah, I do. And I chose it and I wanted it for this sentimental value because it belonged to my aunt, E.C. And I took it and I took it to a jeweler and they sized it and they had me look through a microscope at the diamond and I had to, they took a picture of it and gave it to me so I would recognize it again so I would know they didn't switch it. 
And they took it, they cleaned it, and they sized it. I went back to pick it up a week later, and they said, we were hoping you wouldn't show up again. We were hoping that you wouldn't know what a treasure you had in this ring. This ring is from the 1800s, and it's a hand-cut diamond. They don't do diamonds like this anymore. And they gave me a price that, that it was worth, and it was like crazy. And I'm like, Mom, you're not going to believe how much it's worth. She's like, give it back. <laughs> Actually, she did take it back and gave it to my daughter, which is a better thing. It was a sweet thing. Like, honey, do you really need this? Because I'd like to see it go to your daughter's. And it's, it's precious, and one of my daughters has it. And she's got a memory of my aunt, and she actually had met my aunt. But you know, I think some of you have a treasure like that in your heart. But it's, it's time. You know, you, you're so preoccupied with all the things that are covering to get rid of the rubble and see the treasures that you actually have. Time to polish them up. Time to begin to show them off and to bring them out. And maybe time to start passing them on, passing them out, and passing them down. We want such a treasury of faith in our hearts that we have something to give to this next generation, something beautiful, something alluring, something that they'll want to wear that tells a story. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us so many treasures through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you take our heart and you cleanse it by your blood. And Lord, that you want to get rid of all that that's ugly, all that that lessens, all that which devalues. And Lord, you want to replace it with the riches of Christ, the knowledge of God, with miracles and divine testimonies and glory. And Lord, I pray that right now as our eyes are closed, Lord, if anyone has those black velvet bag of ashes in their heart or napkins with old logos or torn prom dresses, memories that are just gone and it's over and it's not coming back, if there are things in their heart right now that should not be treasured, Lord, that you would take away the old, the defiled, the defiling. Right now, as your eyes are closed, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is pressing on you this thing. It's just not good for your heart. It's not heart healthy. I want to remove that because I've got a greater treasure to put in your heart. He wants to give you a treasure even today, even in your ride home, even in your fellowship, a treasure that you can hold on to that is yours a word from God, a scripture, a song. He wants to give you something so beautiful to show off in your heart. Let's, let's just do that right now. Let's just take this time, just, just about a minute, just this transaction with the Lord. <laughs> 